Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back, everybody, to episode six of Strictly NFL, where there was another disappointing week of Giants football, where there was a positive, but also maybe disappointing week of Jets football, and then a lot of other crazy shit going on. So, uh, Jeff is not joining us today. I am with Schwinn, you know, filling in. It's Good Samaritan. So, uh, again, it's a lot of stuff. Schwinn, did you want to tell us about what the Strickland offers for the Patreon? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, I can do the Strickland, uh, all the stuff. So Strickland, uh, check out the Instagram that is at or that's at the Strickland on Instagram. Post all kinds of content on there. Strickland also has a YouTube channel uh, where you may be watching this podcast. If you already have not done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. Maybe even leave us a comment. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise, which you can find on our website, which is at www.thestrick.land. There's a link that would take you to the merchandise store. We have all kinds of new stuff there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, water bottles, coffee mugs, you name it. We've got it. Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, the podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland mailbag hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug. Although that is going through a rebrand, which we'll be announcing this week. That'll be pretty exciting. That will still be hosted by Doug, though. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And you also get access to our Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. $9 tier that gets you access to Struck and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and read about the next few more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. And now you get access to Strictly NFL, this entire pod uh, that is hosted by Constantine and Jeff, although he is not joining us today. There are further tiers, $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tiers from a variety of additional benefits like listening on pod recordings and merchandise discounts and even potentially ghosting a podcast. Alongside yours, truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this will be possible without you. And now it's on you, Con. <laughs> yeah, so anything you guys hear us reference in this episode, just know that all betting lines, props, all that comes from Bet Online. As your number one source for all your betting needs, you can get the latest odds, lines, matchup reports for many sports like baseball, boxing, golf, and so many more from Bet Online. It is the easiest and fastest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games, all available right from your phone. So to get in on all the action, you can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and start today. Remember that if you do sign up, you can use the promo code BELIEVE, capital B-L-E-A-V, for 50% off on your welcome bonus on the first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And this is where I will start eviscerating Giants. And I think I'm going to get into Daniel Jones a little bit later because there's more nuance that goes into that discussion. But for the performance that we put out there, you know, national TV three times for the first four weeks, getting just absolutely blown away in each game. I believe the, the total score of all these games was like maybe like 100 to 15 or something like that. So, some crazy number. This what was it? Is, I mean, you could probably just figure it out. What they were down, what twenty-one, three to the Cardinals at half or something. Um, I think it was it was twenty-one nothing to the Cardinals at half. 
All right, and they were a fourteen-three yesterday, so that's thirty-five-three. Oh no, I'm I'm saying um, so Cowboys beat us by forty. The Niners beat us by twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Hawks beat us by twenty-one. And then combined in those games, the score was like somewhere around like ninety to one hundred to like fifteen. So uh, these teams are just showing up, whether it's MetLife or Levi Stadium, wherever it is. They're punching us in the mouth, man. There's there's no respect for anything the Giants do past like ten yards downfield. Shit, even fucking ten yards downfield is a stretch. I mean, if it's past five, it's it's ridiculous. There is. No slower offensive line in the league. And Jeff and I were tweeting about this on, on the podcast last night. There is not a single lineman quick out of their stance on this line when you take away Andrew Thomas and John Michael Schmitz. So for that to be the reality, when you invested so many picks into this line, right? Evan Neal, Josh Azudu, JMS this season, and then a few flyers in the draft late with uh, McKeithen, Pay, and guy like Lewinsky. I hate to come on here and sound like a broken record, but this stuff is pathetic, man. It's pathetic. You know, people put a lot of heat on Bobby Johnson, and rightfully so. He deserves all the heat in the world. But at some point, guys need to have pride. I don't know if you saw at the end of the game because people were really tuned out, I guess, by the end of the fourth quarter. But the Seahawks' sideline was just, you know, when they got the 10th sack, the 11th sack, these guys are dancing on the sideline. The game's not even over. I guess hypothetically it is, right? Because, you know, we're not coming back from a deficit like that. But right, right. at MetLife Stadium, prime time, these guys are coming in five minutes left in the game and they're dancing on the opposite sideline. I mean, I've never been so disgusted as a fan. Um, yeah, look, that was a pretty embarrassing performance. The offensive line was really, really bad. I would like to see all 22 because I thought, earlier in the game. That fourth quarter was awful. They gave up, right? That's like a fact. The, the offensive line gave up. The entire team basically gave up. Um, other than Daniel Jones, but like, I don't even really give him credit for that because I just thought he played an atrocious game yesterday. Yeah. Um, and the reason I'm saying I would like, like to see some of the All-22, and I don't know if people have been posting it today or not. I don't even know if it's out yet, but like, it just felt like, I mean, and I saw tweets from people that were at the game that were talking about like, like, dude, there are guys running open. The guy is just not making throws, even when he has time. And, I mean, forgetting what, you know, plays that we didn't see, did see, whatever, the one that stands out is the pick six. Like, Waller's open. That's the throw. The throw is to Waller. That play is for Waller in the back of the end zone. He's the first read. So, like, for Jones, and I, I mean, I have to go back and watch, but I'm pretty sure Jones had, he, he needed, like, a half more second. I'm pretty sure he had it. Uh, I don't think he was about to get hit. And he was shook, and he did not wait. He didn't read the he didn't read the play. He didn't read the field. Like, the play was there for him. Because as soon as, I, I don't know who, I think it might have been Woolen that was out in the flat uh, covering Wandale. But, like, he has to step up. There's That opens up the back of the end zone, the back corner, where Waller's running his route. They're playing zone, so you bait, like you know that's there. He doesn't make that throw, and he instead tries to force this like horrible pass to was it Hyatt that was in the slot? I don't even know who it was. It doesn't really matter. It was uh, Paris Campbell. You're talking about yeah. on the pick six, yeah. Paris yeah, Campbell. yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't even matter who the fuck it was because it's not on the receivers there. On that one, it was not on the receiver, and he just makes a horrible throw, and like, 
I mean, I have a little bit more sympathy for like the fumble that he gave up deep in Giants territory, which kind of set up the uh, Seahawks' first touchdown. Yeah. But even that one, you're like, just fucking take the hit. Like, stop. Like, there, that play was dead. It was dead. Like, there was no chance you're getting out of that. Stop. Tra- like, don't don't make it bad. Right. Like, this is the thing he did well last year. If nothing else, right, he didn't fuck you up. He was not setting you back by putting your defense in immediate negative positions. <clears throat> and it just feels like this has been a regression this year. I don't know why. Maybe he's pressing because he feels like, oh, I make $40 million now. I have to earn the contract, um, which is like a real thing. Like, I, I get that. But, I mean, the two things that I just feel like from the first four games and especially from last night that I take away from it is they shouldn't have given him the contract. And more importantly, for, like, the purposes of this season, he needs to stop trying to do whatever the hell it is he's doing. Like, he he's not capable right now of making <clears throat> dynamic plays in the passing game. And honestly, it might be better for him to just stop. Because there are times yesterday where I'm like, look, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna take the fucking deep shot, then just get out of the pocket and run. Because there were lanes to run. There are escape lanes for him to run, and he wouldn't take it because he's trying to stand there and like dance around and make a play. But then he's not throwing the ball. And then when he did throw the ball, he's making like these horrible reads. Um, I just, you know, like even when they got the ball moving a little bit in the second half, that one drive right where they're in like the two yard line or whatever, before the pick six, basically that drive leading up to the pick six, everything, everything is to the flats. Everything is to the flats. They didn't work the middle of the field at all. And I don't know if that was like schematic or if they basically abandoned it because maybe they didn't think they had time or maybe it was like, He's not seeing it. He's just not seeing the field at all. I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. None of us are there. Again, that's one where, like, maybe you'd want to see the All-22 and see how that developed over the course of the game. But, like, I'll I'll just say this. Like, I watched Dayball run an offense in Buffalo for three years. I watched him do it with John Brown and – you know, Cole Beasley is his one and two. I saw him do it, obviously, then for two years with Diggs is one. But, like, he's never been a guy that there's not, like, at least with maybe, and he's been pretty flexible, so maybe this is different. But, like, there were not a lot of crossers. There were not a lot of, like, of those drags across the field. But, like, he worked the middle of the field, right, with option routes for, like, Beasley and stuff like that. And I feel like I was seeing some of that early in the game yesterday for Wandale. And I think he even hit Waller right across. Oh, no, that was on the sideline. But like Waller is going across the middle of the field a little bit to start these games. He targeted Waller like once. Like at some point, if you're not yeah. targeting these dudes, one, either they're not going to start, they're going to stop running those routes hard, or two, like your coordinator is going to be like, well, if he's not going to, if he's not seeing it, then I'm no, just not yeah. going to call, call it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and the thing with that, like if I was a giant, kind of really pissed me off is like, you cannot tell me that there aren't plays that are just like Waller is your first read. And if Waller's your first read, guess what? He is like 19 feet tall. Throw it up there. Let him make a fucking play for you. That's the point of getting a guy like Waller. Like that is the point of like, why did the Dolphins go and get Tua? Right? Why did they do that? Because they were like, okay, maybe Tua isn't the most talented quarterback in the league, but he's pretty good at like scheduled throws and his timing is good. His accuracy is good. And you know what? If we can just get a guy that we're like, you don't need to worry about if he's open or not. Just fucking throw it there. Just throw it into this place. He will go get it for you. 
Like that makes the game easier for this guy. I'm not saying Waller is Waller is not Tyree Kill. Tyree right? Kill. Like, like every, all the, Tyree Kill and Kelsey, like these guys are on a totally different level to Waller. But Waller's pretty damn good. He's pretty good. He's a pretty good receiver. You have to be able to trust these guys. Like, and there was that one. I mean, I think it might have been a pick. I don't know. It was a pick, right? But like they showed him, like I forgot who was coming across. And Aikman, I gotta give him credit because I usually hate Aikman on a broadcast. But I thought last night he really restrained himself from like killing Jones, even though I could tell he wanted to kill Jones. I thought he, I thought he sympathized with Jones a little bit. I thought he sympathized with him, but like that pick. So I think the second pick he threw, they showed it from the the end zone angle. Mm, yeah, and he was yeah. like specific. He was like. He's like he didn't want to kill him, so he was like, you know, could he anticipate that a little bit more? Because he's waiting for the guy to come out the break yeah. before he's throwing that, and that's one where you got to throw it before he's out of the break. That's the entire point of that throw. And so to me, it's either like he doesn't have trust in what he's seeing, or he doesn't he or he doesn't have trust in what the coordinators are asking asking him to do, and he, or he doesn't trust his receivers. And like none of those things are like. He has to just be better. He has to just do what is being asked of him. And if that means your receivers suck, fine. But let's find out if your receivers suck. Let's find out if the play calling is garbage. Let's find out if you can just let it rip. Like, he's not – he didn't even let it rip yesterday. That's the thing like, that was really crazy. You're down, like, three touchdowns. He's still checking it down, trying to run for 10 yards. I don't know. I, I just thought it was like – we can talk about the offensive line all day, but – and they were awful. It's like, you know, they, they deserve all the criticism – you could throw at them, but like, I don't like the difference between great quarterbacks and game managers are great quarterbacks can make, they can mask some of your offensive line issues. <laughs> game managers can't. And if Daniel Jones is just a game manager, then they should be out of the Daniel Jones business by the next end year. of next season. Yeah. yeah. I I think they had a vision for Paris Campbell in this offense to be kind of like running those same option choice routes that Cole Beasley ran until they fully got Wandell back and confident. Wandell looked good last night, by the way. Yeah. The good part is that I don't think we'll be seeing too much more of Paris Campbell. His snaps already dropped last night. But on that pick six, if you if you watch Campbell's route, yeah, Campbell's route progression, you see, you know, he he, cl- he closes the cushion with the defender makes a break outside, and then whips back inside. So initially when it happened, my thought process was, okay, I think that was uh, a choice route, you know, an option route, and then they just miscommunicated. And then obviously, like, the the read is still too Waller. Like, there's nothing to kind of go against that he's ass naked. But at that point, it's also like, you know, granted, Campbell's in his first year here, but Daniel Jones is in the second year in the system. It's the fourth game of the season. It's like... Read the leverage. Well, I mean, yeah, and and that's why the ball shouldn't have gone there anyway, no matter what Campbell chose, because Woolen is on the outside. Um, Campbell is getting covered by Witherspoon, who played fantastic last night, and there is there is no way you're throwing that ball to Paris Campbell. Wandell Robinson, uh, who was further by the boundary, was a better option. I mean, it's it's not even like you're you, you're not reading Wandell because he's on the opposite side of the field or he's not a part of that concept, like. Wandale is in that area with Waller and Campbell. There's no reason why an NFL quarterback can't be looking at all three of those guys at the same time and diagnosing, you know, okay, this guy's stepping up, I'm, I'm hitting Waller, 
or Wollen's not biting the Witherspoon bit, so, you know, I'm going to dump it off to Wandale. Like, this is elementary shit, man. And it's the most worried I've ever been about the quarterback position for us because people are going to eviscerate this team and they're going to say, you know, this team sucks ass. This defense was fantastic last night. They, you know, from... Outside of one play, basically. Outside of, outside of the Noah fan dump off where they simply didn't push him into the out-of-bounds line for whatever reason, this defense was, was great. And we have we, all the talent in the world in that. And because I'm not panicking, Kayvon, I think Aziz, when healthy, is bursting onto that, you know, top-tier edge rusher kind of level, honestly. But to see Daniel Jones struggle so much with anticipation, to see him kind of see ghosts, for the first time, you know, a la Sam Darnold against the Patriots, that's the worst game of his career as a professional. You know, and in years two and three, he had performances that were as bad, but he never had Darren Waller. He never had Brian Dayball. You know, he, he didn't have Saquon or Andrew Thomas in this one, but, you know, the scheme was never consistent. And he's had all this stuff this year. And it's not just against the Seahawks. You know, we're moving the ball fine on that first drive against the Niners. You know, what happens the rest of the game? Sure, they get on the quick stuff. We've seen on you know online how many deep shots he missed to Hyatt that were there. He didn't pull the trigger. This can't be something that happens when your quarterback's making $40 million, man. I, I hate to come on here and, you know, just shit on him the way that I am, but he deserves it, man. Like, Well, I mean, I think this is the thing is, like, how much is Gino getting paid? Gino's getting, like, 25, right? Gino, um, it's a three-year 105, so it's, like, yeah. It's like 30, 35, 35. 30, yeah, yeah, something like that. Like, yeah, it's straight up 35. And Gino flat out looked like two times the player yesterday. And he's yeah. doing that, like, let's be real. Like, that Seahawks offensive line was not good. They're not good at all. They have, like, they have as many, if not more, injuries than the Giants. Um, yeah, I understand his weapons are better, for sure. Like, you know, Metcalf, you know, fucking, you can go all on the list. Lockett and Jigba, you know, Charbonnet. All these dudes, right? Kenneth, Kenneth Walker, like they have a but they have a lot more weapons. I, I don't disagree with that. But like, at some point, if you're making X amount as a quarterback, then you have to be able to make the difference. Like, I understand Andrew Thomas isn't there. Okay, I understand that Saquon Barkley isn't there. I understand these things are hard. But like, you have to be able to do more than what you're doing. Like, you got to be able to get me into the end zone, man. Like, you're not playing. This is not him playing like the Bills defense or something. Like he's not playing the Niners. You're playing the Seahawks, who are much better on defense than they've been like they were last year. And in general, I think are going to be a pretty solid team. But but the, like you have to be able to get to the end zone at some point. And if you can't do that, then I I don't know. Like I just think I I really like I will say this like I don't need to be worried about it because I'm not a Giants fan. Like and I wasn't really worried about it because I'm not a Giants fan. So. I kind of got why they paid him last summer, but at the same time, I think you have to look back at that decision and be like, well, if you declined this fifth year option going into the season, and I understand like you had this kind of nice, they did, they had a really nice season, right? You go nine and eight, you make the wild card, you even win it, uh, you win the wild card round. Okay, you get smacked by the Eagles, but like that's kind of like, okay, you brushed up against a team that was just a totally different caliber yeah. of talent. It's out of your weight season. class. Right. It's, yeah, it's out of your weight class. I get that. I think they, I don't know what happened. I don't know if this was like Shane or you know, was it Joe, Joe Shane? Like if that was him or if, if ownership was like, hey, look, we had a good season. We want to bring this guy back, whatever. Like, I don't know what happened there. You know, maybe Dable loved him and wanted him back. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know if there's even been any reporting about this. Whatever happened, though, 
I think that was a mistake. Like they should have stuck with their initial eval. I don't think they ever anticipated being nine and eight last year. I really believe they went into that season being like, we win five, six games. Let's tear this down to the studs and let's just start from scratch, basically, which they kind of did in some ways. But when you pay Daniel Jones to come back now as your quarterback, it changes the expectation of this second season. And you also punted on like, not that you had necessarily, you didn't have the capital for it, but you did not have the opportunity then to draft a quarterback or sign a quarterback, whatever it was. Like, I think in retrospect, again, like the smarter choice probably would have been like, do you truly believe that Daniel Jones now, after what you've seen this year, is a franchise guy? And based on like, I think Dable has been really frustrated with Daniel Jones this season. I feel like last year he was cool with it. I think he understood Jones was kind of executing what he could. Yeah. And they simplified the scheme a lot last year. Like, they're trying to do more stuff this year. That's obvious to me. That it seems like they're trying to be more ambitious in the passing game. And he's not executing that. And I think Dable, yesterday, he was, after that pick six, you could tell he was like, I mean, he was basically, what the fuck are you doing? And um, I just think, like, if you gave him, if you gave him truth serum, I think he'd be like, look, I would rather we did not have this guy. And I just feel like the mistake was paying him what they paid him. I think they probably should have just franchised him for a year if they wanted to have a stopgap for a year and played it out again. Because I don't, I, I really just don't think he did enough to prove himself to the degree of contract he got. Now, like, granted, I don't think the 4160 he got is not really necessarily like an accurate representation of what the contract is, right? It's like really like a two year deal with, you know, you can get out of it after the next season. Or there's another like I think it's like the dead the dead money even the year after that is much better. But like I don't know if you have, I don't know if you can wait two years. Um, but like right now, I I don't know this. It feels really shitty because it feels like you don't you're, you're almost now convinced he is not the guy, and at the same time, what are you going to do? You're going to play Tyrod and. You know, like ultimately, you're also burning. Like, look, let's be real. You drafted Jalen Hyde. It's a rookie contract. Wondell Robinson, rookie contract. Darren Waller, he's what thirty. Like, yeah, he's not a young dude. So you you're almost like burning a year right here. You're just not doing anything with this with this stuff, and you're not learning about these guys the way he's playing. Like, that's the most frustrating part of it. I, I know. I think you might have tweeted this out, but it's like if I was a Panthers fan, I think probably the thing that would frustrate me a little bit uh, about like. Bryce Young versus like what they saw when Darnold was in was like, okay, well, understandable that Bryce Young is struggling as a rookie, but we're also not learning stuff about the pieces around us, which we can be learning as we saw when Sam Darnold played. Now, like, again, rookie quarterback, so maybe you're a little bit more understanding of that. Daniel Jones is not a rookie quarterback. Part of the reason you kind of are okay with him is the idea of, well, he gives us a baseline level of competence and that will allow us to evaluate other pieces. And in the meantime, like, Let's see what he can do, right? He's still not too old. Like, maybe he can develop into something more, whatever. If he's not even giving you that baseline competence, then it's it's awful in almost every which way because he's not even, like, a rookie quarterback who's, well, you're like, oh, well, the best is yet to come. Like, this is just a total downer for them. Um, so, yeah. If it's year five and you can't throw across the field to a pretty large window with anticipation, right, like, there's just not anything that I can say in terms of, you know, giving people hope in how you're going to play. Like, 
Paris Campbell is coming across the field with a linebacker whose hips are facing Daniel Jones, right? So he, he's going to have to accelerate to meet Paris Campbell on that route. And he's sitting there in the pocket, triple pumping the ball with defenders bearing down on him. And that's the play where, like, it doesn't matter who you're throwing to. It doesn't matter who you're getting protected by. It doesn't matter who your coach is. If that's the, the level of hesitancy and decision-making that you have after five years in this league, you might fucking suck, man. You might. You just might. And it, it's, man. Makes me sick, dude. Makes me fucking sick. Well, I mean, look, I think the upshot would be hopefully you get Andrew Thomas back here next week or something, maybe the week after. Maybe you get Saquon back. Like, at least you know when those guys are healthy, he's shown he can at least run an offense when those guys are healthy at times. But, like, it doesn't, again, like, it, it really, I feel like last year they really gimmicked and you know, put training wheels on the offense and really like dumbed it down and simplified it to kind of some of it was a ta- a lot of it was a talent gap. If we're gonna yeah. be real, and some of it now you're wondering. Yeah, like I really do wonder if Dable kind of dumbed it down because he's like, I don't think this guy can get through the progressions. And yeah, sure, some of you can also he might also be like, well, look, John Poliziano, that guy can't hold a fucking block for shit. So like, I'm gonna have to speed things up here. Um. But again, like, I really feel like this year they're trying to do, like, he's trying to open up the playbook. And it's just not happening because Jones won't pull the trigger on stuff, even when it's there. Like, I I don't even know. And look, I I don't know. Maybe some of this is, you know, is he, is he getting into bad habits and rushing and, and not making reads and not reading the field because he's been hit so much? Maybe. But like, it's hard to take away from the fact that he, is causing a lot of these pressures himself. And like, it's the chicken, it's the chicken or the egg thing. And ultimately, like, I I don't even know. I I don't think it actually matters because the way I always feel about this is like, I'm not even going to use Josh Allen because I'm a Bills fan. So like people will be like, oh, you're saying X and shut. Like, no, like, okay, (laughs) look at Lamar Jackson. Like Lamar Jackson has not played behind a great offensive line for many years. And he makes shit happen. And like, I understand Daniel Jones is not as talented as Lamar Jackson, but the point, that's kind of the point is like, He's not that talented. So if, like, you have to be able to make plays in this league in and out of the pocket. And even if you're in the pocket quarterback, you've got to be able to manipulate the pocket and read the field quickly. If anything, it makes it even more important to be a quick processor, right? Like, Tom Brady was not some amazing fucking athletic specimen, but the reason he was so great, or Peyton Manning, right? The reason he's Drew Brees, the reason these guys were so good is because their processing was next level and their ability to move around in the pocket and just find spaces while the rush is bearing down was was like amazing. And so if that's Jones, why that's why two is proving us wrong too. Yeah, and, and yeah, and two is two is processing has been awesome. And like, look, we'll see what happens. Like uh, the Bills, you know, they took away his first read, and all of a sudden he didn't look as great as he always had. Like he has this year, but I think I, I mean, look, I've I've seen enough from him the past couple of years where like. Maybe he's not an elite, elite guy, but he's definitely a dude that you're like, okay, well, we could, we can make the playoffs. We can he, win. He 10. can win. A, he can win a division. Yeah, we like, can. No like they, they, we can win 10, 11, 12 games with this guy. Like, like he's shown enough for me to to me that I would believe that. With Jones, I'm like, if last year is the ceiling of what you can kind of do offensively, I don't know what you like. I don't really know what you're supposed to do with that. And ultimately, 
all like you don't even get the benefit of like um like you know one of the benefits that the Eagles have when they draft a Jalen Hurts second round is okay now you have all this money you can spend on other positions to put talent around him. This is like the advantage the Niners have right now, uh, at least temporarily with Purdy. Yeah. And like like Jones is now on big boy money, so you don't have that luxury. Like he has to be able to hey we're not going to spend on a right guard or we're not going to spend on interior linemen, whatever it is, because you are supposed to be able to like, that's what we paid you for. That is what we are paying you for is so that we don't have to pay that position. And like, that is what the best quarterbacks in the league, not even the best quarterbacks in the league, good quarterbacks, just good quarterbacks. That's what they're supposed to offer you. If he's not offering you that, then he's overpaid. And quite frankly, he's not really worth the money and they should probably be, I don't know. I'll, I don't know if it would be uh, if you gave again if you gave Joe Shane fruit serum. I don't know if he would tell you that he would be too upset. Uh, depending on his job security, but it, I don't know if he'd be <laughs> too upset if he if the Giants ended up with a top five pick. Let's just say that. The thing for me is we're not going to be bad enough for Caleb Williams. Probably won't be bad enough for Drake May. At that point, you know you're not really tanking for a quarterback because I don't think anybody moves you enough in this draft class to spend, you know, that elite capital. I know it's getting a little bit into scouting and whatnot and people aren't really there yet, but you know, there's, I'm not taking, Oh God, no, I'm not taking Riley Leonard, another Duke quarterback. I would just shit myself. <laughs> um, you know, but there's no, there's like no Jordan Travis from FSU, not a top five quality guy, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it. Maybe JJ McCarthy is who knows. We'll see. But there, there is, like, minimal scenarios where Daniel Jones is not the starting quarterback next year, in my opinion. So, like, yeah. Well, I mean, I'll say this, too. Like, watching that game yesterday, and, and honestly, just watching the league over the last few years, like, the Giants, Jalen Hyatt, I think he's going to be a nice, I think he's a nice piece. He's not a number one boundary guy. Like, mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't have an elite boundary guy. And you could see that yesterday where, like, like Geno Smith can just throw it to DK Metcalf whenever he needs to just throw it somewhere. Like, and worst case scenario, DK will like probably defend the ball if, if nothing else, but like yeah. decent chance he comes up with a catch. The giants don't like their outside talent is so fucking bad. It is so bad. I think it gives teams, they don't have to worry about anything outside the numbers. They don't have to worry about the boundary at all. And like, it makes everything harder. And like, look that, we can sit and bitch about Daniel Jones. It's not like everything else in the offense is perfect either. So, like that, I mean, but but, but I'm glad I'm glad you brought it up though because when when we watched Zach Wilson Sunday night against the Chiefs, we were like, at least I was, I was like, this guy like just threw a back shoulder to to throw Tyler Conklin of all people open over the middle. Like this guy threw a back shoulder to Lazard in the end zone. Like, that's legitimate shit that you do when you're a talented player, right? Like, forget how he can't throw a check down half the time to save his life. But when he lets it rip, he lets it rip, and it's a, and it's pretty professionally a high-level throw. I can't fathom the fact that Daniel Jones doesn't throw a back shoulder face to Darren Waller. You know, like you said, he's 19 feet tall, right? You know, verbatim quote, he's 19 feet tall. He probably is that tall in real life. But even to Darius Slayton, you've been with this guy? On the same team for five years, you don't have the chemistry to throw a back shoulder fade. You don't have chemistry with 
Wandell Robinson, granted, he you know he wasn't playing for the first two weeks of the season, but he was your rookie last year. You know, your slot. You gotta have faith in that guy, man. Like. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.